0: Welcome, everybody, to Productivity Book Group. I'm your host and facilitator, Ray Sidney Smith. Thanks for listening in on Productivity Book Group's discussion of the Checklist Manifesto How to Get Things Right. I'm going to just give a little preamble about the author and then about the book, and then we'll get into the conversation. So, the author is Atul Gawande. He is the author of four best selling books Being Mortal, my favorite of his four, Uh, Being Mortal, uh, Complications, Better. And then, of course, the book we're discussing today, The Checklist Manifesto. He's also a surgeon at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. He's a staff writer for The New Yorker since 1998 and a professor at Harvard Medical School and the Harvard School of Public Health. As well, he is co-founder and chairman of Lifebox, a global nonprofit implementing systems and technologies to reduce surgical deaths globally. He lives in Massachusetts, of course, and about the book. Uh, This is from the Amazon description, and it says, Dr. Atul Gawande shows what the simple idea of the checklist reveals about the complexity of our lives and how we deal with it. The modern world has given us stupendous know-how, yet avoidable failures continue to plague us in healthcare, government, the law, the financial industry, in almost every realm of organized activity. And the reason is simple. The volume and complexity of knowledge today has exceeded our ability as individuals to properly deliver it to people consistently, correctly, safely. We train longer, specialize more, use ever-advancing technologies, and still we fail. Atul Gawande makes a compelling argument that we can do better using the simplest of methods, the checklist. Now, there's more to the preamble to the book, but I'm going to cut us off there to start the conversation and uh, just open it up to uh, your initial impressions of the checklist manifesto. If you've read it before, if this is a second or third reading, or for me, a umpteenth readings and what did you think about the checklist manifesto by dr gawande wants to kick us off dr buck go for it
1: i'll I'll jump in i I think this is one of the hallmark time management books um i read it first gosh over 10 years ago and i'm just going yes 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 because there are so many things that we do again and again and again my background's in education. I started off as a junior high band director. So you wouldn't believe how many little bitty things that go into planning a junior high band concert, you know, including arranging for a janitor to unlock the doors and lock them back. Imagine we show up and the place is locked. All these little things, but once you get them nailed down, next time you do a concert, it's the same list. So once you've captured it once, so my gracious for a guy to write a book that says, hey, we need to be doing this with, you know, air pilots do a great job of it. We need to be doing the same thing with surgeons. Um, and so we have we don't have to do all this rethinking. So I, I just think it it's a, an amazing.
2: I'll kind of jump in. I um, I have not. This was my first reading of the book and um, I hadn't really heard much about it. Although I feel like since I've read it now, I'm hearing a lot of things about it in like some of my different circles. But when I first, you know, saw what it was about, I was like, "Well, this sounds interesting." I also, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely was like, "Well, what really more could I learn about checklists?" Like, I've already been an avid checklist user. Um, you know, it can't. I, in my head, I thought it can't be that complicated. <laughs> um, I think really what he sums up is it's not that complicated. But you know, really the power in uncomplicating things, um, especially from a systems standpoint you know, and especially with people, multiple people working on things, it definitely inspired me to take a look at, I'm not working in a lot of systems right now. I'm kind of flying more solo, but my background is in education as as well. And gosh, there was a lot of room for checklists at that point (laughs) in my life. And I really saw the power of those working. So now I'm definitely inspired to figure out what else I can automate in that way and remove some of that, Planning process from unnecessarily.
0: This book always uh, kind of interests me because it is a book about policy. It's not a book about checklists so much, but it is actually um, it's like a message to to the healthcare industry in a lot of ways, right? It's actually categorized in the medicine section of mm-hmm. you know uh, of the of the library, right? And yet at the same time, it has become this productivity notable productivity title because of its message around the importance and veracity of using something as simple as the checklist. And he tells this through story. And uh, and then he gives us kind of some very interesting pieces at the back end of the book, which I think are the most interesting pieces, but like a book like Nudge by um, Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler, where this is more, you know, Nudge's Nudge, the book, is about how we implement this on a policy level as you know, governmental agencies and as NGOs and so on, to be able to affect larger kind of macro societal change, a book like Checklist Manifestos kind of fits in that space. Except at the same time, it is giving the individual agency to uh, you know affect this 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 um, very basic concept that we can track and maintain our lives through very basic mechanisms. The 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 thing that really interests me, and, and, and this is kind of my first question for you all, is as you make your way through the book, of course, the very simple concept of, say, a paper checklist, you know, just writing down items one by one and itemizing the things that one needs to do, certainly those things that need to be done repetitiously, as you were talking about, Dr. Buck, uh, you know, the, the, the repeating items are one thing, but the way we manifest it today do you think it's become more complicated because of the fact that we have hundreds of applications available to us and hundreds of ways in which we can manifest a checklist? Or do you feel like the principles are enduring and if we adhere to the concept of the of the primary checklist, that we'll have kind of like an easier way to create it, if that makes any sense?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think we've got to stick with the principle. And the more things that we have going on in our lives, I think the more we've got to have something like that. And it, and it, it talks so much about that the checklist, it has to be simple. If it's not simple, we, we won't do it. And, and that's something I, I find myself, we, we do what's easy. So, you know, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. Chefs are doing it all the time with recipes um, and boiling it down to to where you and I can take a recipe we have never seen before and make it successfully the first time. We just follow the, the steps. And with something like flying a plane, gosh, there's so many steps and there's so many different scenarios. So when this goes wrong, what do we do? Here's the checklist for it. And so now my entire world becomes that little checklist, block the rest of the world away. And my full attention is on that little checklist for solving that problem.
2: Sorry, I couldn't get unmuted there. Um, I agree. I think it's a lot about the principle. and I, But there is a potential for overcomplicating it, right, with the tools and techniques. And I know I find myself spinning out of control a little bit when the checklist is just too complicated, Um, and when there's stuff on there that doesn't need to be on there, like it's not super relevant at the time. Um, that is definitely kind of a trigger for me that I need to reevaluate the list itself. Um, and the simple ones work. I'm one of my most utilized checklists is like what I do on the weekends to prep for the week. And it's so simple. It's literally, you know, I'm just as much into productivity and kind of encapsulating it all but this fridge checklist is like as simple as it gets and that's one thing that never fails me because I know what's on there I need reminded of it and I can cross it off it's just really simple so I think that simplicity as key is huge
0: I think a a checklist is a a tool like any other and so uh, if you use the tool then you're going to have uh, greater success. Uh, now there are all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't use the tool, and you know, those there are issues around motivation and avoidance and and uh, perfectionism and so on and so forth. And I think that uh, simple, I think sometimes comes down to um, as as simple as needed, but no simpler. And I think that sometimes becomes a concern for a lot of people with checklists. Something that was noted at near the end of the book always kind of interests me, which is the the amount of work that goes into some of these more important checklists, like in in aerospace and and in the hospitals um, uh, environment, where you know pre surgery checklists have to note not the exact thing that's being done, but the general course of of the of the um, things that need to be done, kind of the outcomes that need to be achieved. You, in in that kind of environment, people are less likely to do the thing if you have. Fifty nine checklist items um, and each little thing needs to be checked off versus saying, OK, we need to make sure we we've scrubbed our hands, made sure we have clean hands, clean gloves, those kinds of things. I don't know what's on the checklist, but, uh, you know, making sure that the right things are done pre-surgery, that the outcomes are the the things that you're kind of itemizing as opposed to, you know, pull out soap, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, pulling soap out of the, 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 the drawer or the closet. Is a little bit too simple, and therefore people will will um, potentially glaze over it, or it's just fatigue, right? Decision fatigue, having to go through so many different uh, items on the list become uh, difficult. So you know you have to you have to kind of decide. As as you both have noted so far, there's like the. The checklist for the, the right type of checklist for the right type of occasion. And then he talks a little bit about the, the different types of, of checklists that are available. Uh, and I think that's really important for us all to kind of keep in mind is, all right, well, depending upon the checklist, there might be something like a grocery checklist where I need to just list a bunch of items. And as long as I get all those items, I'm done or there's a list where it's procedural and I need to make sure that I get through those particular items and or outcomes, right? Which is more goal orientation. I know how to do the things that are necessary. I don't need to worry about the individual actions being taken. Like, you know, if you're on a spaceship and you're taking off, you probably need a checklist that tells every step. Press the green button, press the red button, press the blue button, that kind of thing. So the spaceship doesn't blow up before it even takes up off the ground, right? Uh, but if you just know, hey, I've got to call Susan and make sure that she has the right outcome from this particular project, uh, that could be an outcomes-based checklist where you know you're gonna, you have to verify outcomes with all stakeholders, right? And then you know that means I've got to call Susan, I've got to call Bill, I've got to call Jerry, whatever. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to kind of think through those pieces of the checklist. What were your thoughts in regard to like the way in which did uh, – to kind of ask it better as you were reading through the book what were some of the ways in which you thought maybe your checklists could be better in your own world
2: i know for me some of my checklists i think at heart i always knew that simple was necessary right but i just have that like personality trait to overcomplicate things so a couple of my checklists have an item on them that is actually opens up to its own checklist right so it's like a checklist nested within a checklist um so there is a little resistance there for me because my I think my brain, the other part of my brain knows that I'm like trying to trick myself, right? Like I, I'm acting like my checklist is simple and it shouldn't take that long. It's just, you know, one, two, three, four, five. But, you know, item four opens up into 15 things to do. So sometimes I find myself like hitting that wall of resistance. Like my brain is saying, I know what you're trying to do here. <laughs> and so I'm not doing any of it, right? So I, I definitely felt like connection with that piece of, you know, when he talked about some elements of surgery prep or um, in the medical field where they would end up cutting things out because they knew people typically did those things or they weren't the high ticket items that were really the most non-negotiable for preventing, you know, illness and um, mishap and surgery. So that kind of was a reality check for me.
1: I, I think it definitely is a balance between how detailed does it have to be Like, Ray, you were saying, you know, uh, sanitize your hands, okay? Well, we don't need to say open the cabinet, take out the soap, open the box of soap, you know, sanitize your hands is fine uh, for people that have sanitized their hands a lot. Now, for some people uh, who, who maybe aren't, if it's a situation where they're not familiar with the facility and they don't know where the soap is. You know, get the soap. It's located so-and-so-and-so-and-so. And and maybe if there's a trick to opening the package. And, you know, we have some of those scenarios, especially when someone's new to the job, somebody is new to um, that particular location. You know, it's an experienced teacher. It's a teacher who's new to that school. We're going to need instructions that are a little bit different
0: than the teacher who's been there for five years. Yeah, I think that for me, I have for many years overcomplicated my checklists and they work. I mean, it's worked for me, you know what I mean? But they are definitely overcomplicated. And as I was reading through this time, I thought this is this is the year to simplify some of these pieces. So for me, I have been utilizing the, the function of emailing checklists into, since I use Remember the Milk for my task management, it has the allow, uh, the ability for you to bulk import via email. So I have scheduled emails that send out repeat items and those basically populate my task list. And I've been mixing that with recurring tasks and then mixing that with subtasks that are inside of those particular recurring tasks. And I have realized over time that the, even though it's all automated, the way in which it's being created is important to me, especially as it like shows up in the system. And so I think I'm going to go to an all email based system where they email in and then populate as individual tasks for myself. And I think that will probably clean up. I just don't want to see it in the system unless i need to see it and so seeing those recurring tasks that are you know coming up in time is clutter it's visual clutter for me and so i only want it to show up when it's ready to be seen and you know like many tools remember the milk has a smart list function so you can filter those things out until they're ready to be seen and so on and so forth uh but just path of least resistance is to create them as these recurring emails that, that send, I use a tool called sendrecurring.com. It's very, very simple. It's a very easy tool. You just set up the email and it sends it on a schedule, right? So you just tell it when to send. Uh, You can do this with, uh, with other follow-up, you know, email uh, tools like, you know, followup.cc and other, other platforms that do that kind of thing. But I just happen to use, remember the milk for that, uh, uh, sendrecurring.com for that purpose. It's a very, very like, it feels like it was built in the 90s, but it wasn't, uh, but it's a very simple tool and it just works. And, uh, and I think those are the kinds of things where the, the way in which you manifest your checklist, depending upon, you know, in the, in the checklist manifesto, he talks about the two common checklist types, which is do confirm and redo, right? So the do confirm is where team members are performing things, you know, that's an experiential, uh, you know, uh, type uh, task. And then the, the checklist is basically confirming that things were being done. Um, he shows that in the in the surgical setting, and then of course there's the redo checklist that he talks about, which is people carrying out tasks and are checking them off as they're doing them. A la the recipe that Dr. Buck was talking about earlier. So these are for emergency procedures. You know, you're on the rocket ship and you know the alarm bells go off. Uh, you need to make sure that you you're following the procedures because you're you're not doing emergency procedures every day. Uh, and so that's kind of the redo. I tend to think about this in a much more um, complicated, complex way because you know, I just don't see everything fitting into just do confirm or redo. there are there are many other um, uh, types of checklists, but I think the the two common formats that he talks about are helpful for us to bulk together. And so so yeah, so that's kind of my my current journey is to simplify the way in which recurring, uh, checklists are being created or recurring tasks are showing up in my, my to-do lists. And, uh, and I think there are probably some other minor changes that I will make to my checklists. Like not everything belongs in a list format. I, I think more things belong in my Trello board, uh, where I can actually see them in where they live in the course of a project. And so having things show up in more of a Kanban style Uh, perspective is helpful for me. And I, and I feel like some projects are just worthy for me of being in that Kanban board style. Uh, so like event planning, for example, I don't like them in a linear, you know, vertical format. I would rather them in the horizontal, uh, uh, style. And so just exhuming all of those and putting them into the, uh, into the Trello board is going to be a little bit more useful for me instead of a traditional checklist. What about the stories in the book? What which stories stood out for you in the Checklist Manifesto? Did any of the stories stand out for you? Well, the nineteen thirty five plane
1: crash for one thing, that where they realized that you know, an airplane is is just it's too much for one person. That we've got to have the instructions uh, for. Yeah, you know, for various situations, and it's just, it's too complex to keep in our head. And so I think that really sort of kicked things off.
2: I really was kind of interested in a little bit taken aback, in a good way, by the, like, details of the story of the um, pilot, Sully, landing the plane. and yeah. And obviously I knew the news story, of course, but, like, I liked how he shared about what that looked like in real time and how powerful the use of the checklist was in such a monumental success. Um, Just breaking that down in real time and was powerful as a reminder of really the true power that a checklist can have um, as a tool to depend upon. And when you know what to do, you know what to do, right? And even in a time of high stress, you can you know where to find the list and and you know how to go through that process, it can really be a huge help when your mind is not necessarily in a great place.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And it it talked about that they went through like the checklist to restart engines and try to do that. And then uh, let's go through the checklist for the ditching procedure. And that flight attendants were going through their checklist with the passengers. So that in in that emergency situation, they're not having to dream up. Oh my gosh, what do we do? That's already been decided. Grab the list and start at the top and just go
0: through the list. Yeah, I found myself kind of um, bored a bit with the healthcare uh, analogies, and I, he's a surgeon, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And his his. Uh, nonprofit focuses on reducing deaths in in surgery, so it totally makes sense. But when when he started using the aviation, uh, you know, uh, stories and whatnot, it really helped to like give me a little bit of balance there. And I really enjoyed the the Sully Sullenberger story. Uh, you know, he's flying an Airbus A320 uh, with his co pilot, and uh, just that whole story was very compelling. And it illuminates for you the real importance of. Um, you know, not just when it's life or death. I mean, that that uh-huh. obviously was a life or death circumstance. Uh, and a lot of, of lucky as well as, you know, following procedure based on those checklists by both the co-pilot and the pilot uh, helped land that plane that day. But the, the non... It, I just think about all of... It's like death by a thousand cuts. The fact that so many people don't use their checklists throughout the day causes so many hiccups, like little small things that just end up causing so much more uh you know it's like it's catastrophe on a very slow moving basis right it's like Mm -hmm. you're just watching an accident in slow motion because so many people go throughout their day just fumbling through and you know like i think of a routine a routine is basically a checklist for how you manifest the day until you go from uh you know chaotically, organically, let's call it organically going throughout your morning to then mechanically doing so where you have manifested things and then it becomes learned reflex, right? It becomes an acquired reflex where you are naturally doing things that are more efficient for you throughout the day. But it, I really believe that it starts with a checklist, right? And then you you go through these movements and what's good about a routine that's in a fungible format in a, in a moldable format is that you can say, okay, I'm going to brush my teeth then I'm going to hop in the shower and then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you get to the next few days and you're like, you know what? Actually, it'd be better if I showered first and then I got out of the shower and then I did X, Y, and Z and then I brushed my teeth, right? Like it, there there are ways in which you can figure out how those things can move around and be more efficient, as well as more effective, because you might say, oh, well, you know what, actually, I eat my breakfast, then I got to brush my teeth a second time. I might as well eat my breakfast and then brush my teeth, and then I only had to do it once, right? So like, there are ways in which we can get around those pieces for effectiveness, and then we can say, okay, now we lock it in place. We've got a good routine checklist. Now let's do them until they're learned reflex, until I do them on, on an almost automatic basis. And I, I think that we tend to, we tend to um, think that somehow if we just keep doing it, um, it's going to be great, but it's it's that I don't know. There's some there's a dopamine kick. There's a there's a little bit of benefit of being able to have it see it physically, you know, whether it's digital or otherwise, and checking it off and feeling that that you know you're in control of the situation, you're commanding your own um, world, and I think that's important for us to kind of uh, realize as well.
1: And, and when we make that list, when we consciously say, "I'm doing, we do this first, this second, this third, what we tend to cut out is those things that we have just sort of been doing by habit, and we do them because that's what we've always done. And when you stop and think about well, why are you doing that thing? Um, well it turned out that five years ago there was a good reason for it, you know. And thinking thinking with my own uh dogs, you know, that that we gave this little extra time taste of something because this dog was having a problem eating foods okay well we'll give him this little something or other and now that dog's been gone for five years but we still give the dogs that little something or other because we're in the habit of doing it but then when we stop and go here's the check now why are we doing that oh well the reason for it is no longer there then we start to refine those lists and um cut out some of the steps make it more make it easier to do, make it quicker to do, make it more refined, make it more meaningful, and make it shareable. Mm-hmm. But here's my day. here you know here's how I end my day. Ray, you know, you, you were talking about automating some things. I have a, an if this then that applet that sends me it will it emails to remember the milk at 7 pm. Bam, a task is going to appear at the top of Remember the Milk that tells me how to wind down my day to make sure that email is empty, that my Evernote inbox is empty, that I've looked at the little widgets that tell me these are the notes that you have changed in Evernote today. Here's your test. Take one more look at them to see if you need to do something about them. Uh, Just this little list. I don't want to see that list all day long. I want at seven o'clock, I wanna see it. And it's seven o'clock, I wanna interact with it. I don't want to see it on the list all day long. Not even right at the bottom. And um so you are seeing those lists when you need to see them and setting up the technology so that you see what you see when
0: you need to see it and the rest of the world is hidden away. Really important to underscore that fact that you know you seeing that that item on your list all day is fatigues you. It, it is a decision mm-hmm. to have to look at it, process it. and See
1: the background and then you wind up not doing it. Hmm. You know, it. It's like the thing that you tape to the wall so that you won't forget it. And it just becomes part of the decor. You know, four years from now, that reminder that there's a sale that starts Thursday
0: is still taped. So Mike, I'm curious, how do you decide what needs a checklist today? How do you, how do you determine What needs a checklist? If you have already been an ardent checklister, uh, you know, uh, you know, list maker, how do you determine today what needs a checklist and what doesn't? I think when there's any stress, when there's any stress involved with,
1: oh, am I going to remember to do this or that? I think that's the time to make the list and put that in the system.
2: I think anything that I want to happen in a similar way the next time <laughs> is worth a checklist. I I just think, you know, even if it's not the exactly same way, the checklist gives you the opportunity to evaluate each item when it comes. Like, I, I, some of the power for me with the list is choosing if it needs it that day. Like, I know I have some things on my weekend checklist that don't always need it. Like, I refill our soap dispensers. and And do they really need it every week? no it's probably about every two weeks they need it but you know if i'm out of town that week that weekend i just don't worry about it because i know i will revisit it when i'm next week looking at my list and so it gives you that opportunity to quickly say yes or no to something um so sometimes even if it needs to be more flexible in that regard it still serves me really well not having to generate in my head what needs done
0: yeah similarly elena i i like to as I'm working my way through a project that I know I'm going to do again, is I like to have a separate little uh, checklist that I create. That's what I'm doing as I'm doing the project, and then sometimes I will just, you know, the project is just too harried for me to think through at that time, and so I will then come back afterward and do a project debrief and say, okay, this project's going to happen again in the future, or something like it's going to happen again in the future. Let me go through and take down all the things that we did so that I can manifest what, what is the, what's the, not the ideal, but the realistic uh, things that we're going to do next time around to make that project better. And uh, it's happened in many, many areas of my life over the years of of just being, okay, let's, let's look at what's going to, what happened, what could make, could have made it better. Not just what happened in the project and what we want to repeat, but the things that, uh, that we're going to do in the future to make the project uh, run more smoothly. You know, those are the things that are really important because if, if we already did some of those things, it's kind of like the do confirm, you know, if we've already done a lot of those things really well, that's great. We need that on the checklist. But more importantly, if we did some things poorly, we need to know how to shore up the the poor parts so that we can actually perform better in the future. And that really has helped me in so many ways uh, Is is like just thinking through, you know what? our communications here weren't really good between team members. What can we do in the future? Oh, okay, let's do more milestone meetings between in this portion of the, of the project so that we're touching base with each other more often and therefore we're not getting bogged down in, uh, is so-and-so doing that or am I doing that? You know, that kind of uh, confusion over who's doing what tasks. Um, so I really love doing uh, project debriefing. And um, I also think that, uh, as you said, Dr. Buck, about, like, Stress. It's, um, for me, it it's like not just stress, but you stress, which is positive stress. If there's a positive stress circumstance, I like to think through what the positive stress circumstances are going to be first to build checklists. Um, only because if you think about it from like the the doom and gloom, like negative stuff, like what happens if I die, right? Like uh, you're much less likely to deal with your mortality than you are about like your the next uh holiday party you're gonna host right so practice building checklists on the positive side and then you can kind of gently ease yourself into maybe some of the more negative things uh it, but I think that having a checklist for many of those circumstances are are helpful the other is like use Google uh you know Google has just a multitude of checklist templates and so just basically going there and and searching for a type of template and going out there and seeing what templates are out there and then you can yeah. you can kind of uh, pull from the various checklists the ones that work for you and the ones that don't
1: and, and of course that chat gpt
2: yeah
0: yeah so you can actually checklist for planning a party yeah yes exactly exactly just remember the chat gpt is making stuff up so don't ask it to make a checklist for a uh, heart surgery uh it oh, is, yeah <laughs> it may just make it up uh but yes, yeah, it's a it's a remarkable technology and uh if it has that data in the database then yeah it's going to be able to to create a checklist for you yeah um yeah, uh, But yeah, so I, I think that I think that searching for things and a little bit of human ingenuity and human purview here is important, is to look through those checklists and make sure, just like a a, a travel checklist, you may have multiples of those travel checklists, right? If you're going on a one-day trip, it's not going to be the same if you're going to take a 20-day trip, uh, you know, overseas. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you know how many checklists you need as well um, yeah. for that particular circumstance.
1: Mm-hmm. And building in the time on the front end, I, I think one thing that I do differently from most people is doing more work on the front end. So many times somebody gets through a project and goes, Whoo, done with that. Don't have to think about that for another year. And I'm going, I will be doing that in another year. While this is fresh on my mind and some things didn't go quite right, let me get this nailed down right now so i can kind of throw that bait out into the out into the ocean and reel it back in a year from now and my future self goes right thank you so much for what you did last year so that it's a piece of cake now or for the next person who comes into that position or handles that project um I've been the easiest person in the world to follow because, well, Frank, what did you, it's all, it, it's all written down. It's all there. Well, how did you do such a, it, it's right there. And they just have to you know, work the list, just work the list. It's there.
2: That's such a good point. I feel like so many seeds of checklists end up being the documentation or, you know what I mean? It may not appear in a checklist initially, it's a more of a log, a documentation, a record keeping process of something now. I even find myself since reading this book, like, sometimes I like writing things with my hand, (laughs) you know, the old fashioned way. So sometimes I'll feel compelled to just take a piece of paper and kind of lesson plan for a group I'm about to lead or whatever, and lately I've been saying, no, Elena, go ahead and just type it right into Notion. And keep track of it there because you know you're not going to want to transfer it in there. And you know you're going to want to look back at that as kind of the basis of a future checklist when you return to it. So definitely that record keeping and kind of using that as a seed for those future checklists is such a nice kindness to your future self.
0: (laughs) Uh Yeah, I'll I'll note that it is for for anybody who's listening who doesn't real um, who who can't uh, relate. It is a struggle, right, sometimes with that concept, though. I know that after I finished a, a large project, if I don't have the accountability to the team, then the like you've just given all of this energy, emotional and mental energy to this project. And you're like, oh, thank goodness I'm done, you know, and so you just want to kind of put it behind you. And you know it's coming up a year from now or six months from now or two years from now, and you're going to have to do it again. But there is that sense of like, oh, I could put that away and just step away from it for a while know there is a struggle there and you got to kind of get off the struggle bus and uh, focus on, you know, really doing that work because it will benefit you in the future and make it fun, make it, make, make it paired with a reward afterward, you know, and, uh, and that way you can kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, yeah, I just finished this big project. This is going to happen again. I'm going to plan, you know, this next big annual report that I have to write uh, now so that next year it's kind of, you know, Set up for success, uh, or greater success than than it already has been. But I know that it can be difficult at that time. So I just want you to know that we we understand it can be difficult <laughs> when you when you come off of uh, you know expending all of that energy and so on and so forth. Um. All right. So any other thoughts, questions, feelings about the Checklist Manifesto? Gosh, we've hit it pretty hard. I it, it's
1: definitely a book I would recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. We're all living in this world where there's a lot to do and there's a lot that's going to come around again and again and again, and there's no need to rethink everything. Yeah,
2: totally agree. It's, it's inspiring to take inventory of things a little bit and see what I am recreating the wheel on unnecessarily for sure.
0: Yeah. I I think that um, the checklist manifesto is of course a, um, it's a book that helps to illuminate the importance and power of, tracking just generally. And that's not just down to the things that need to be done, but also the things that have been done. I find that having checklists and ad hoc tracking on those checklists help me at the end of the day, recognize what I've done. So it's a little bit of almost like logging, but it's like when an ad hoc task comes up, I write it down and then I check it off to know that at the end of the day, I've done that thing because you can sometimes get through a day and realize or feel, you could feel like oh, I didn't get anything done. <laughs> um, but if you actually track those things and show what you've gotten done, it kind of helps fill in the gaps. And, uh, and so just keep that in mind that that checklists can also be a way of logging what you're doing as much as it is um, give, keeping track of the thing that you, that you have pre-flighted. That you have that you plan to do you can also track what you have done as well along the way and that uh, for some people like i don't have a problem manifesting that in a in a time tracking tool uh, but some people would rather do that just in one tool right so you have your task manager and you're tracking what you are doing along with what you have planned to do so keep that in mind that you can potentially uh you know uh, i hate the the analogy of killing two birds with one stone but um uh, doing two things at once uh is is basically the point um well, you know with that one tool so so keep that in mind and of course you know the, the checklist manifesto has had some criticism uh, associated with it uh, in the sense that you know it doesn't really teach you how to uh uh manifest a checklist right it gives some general uh thoughts there uh, mostly at the end of the book so this is not necessarily a book that's going to teach you how to create a checklist uh as the title notes it is a manifesto. It is not a how-to guide, uh, so you know you do need to do some some research here. But if you have ever felt like you're not someone who is um, who has leaned into the checklist, this maybe is a little bit of motivation, a little bit of oomph to get you into that space and mindset. And so for that, I can appreciate the book in in, in that way. But you do need to figure out how to manifest a checklist and and uh, kind of figuring those pieces out so if you have any questions feel free to join us in in productivity book group and uh, in the in the um, community group and we could discuss checklists and how you manifest them i'm sure it, uh, we all have opinions on how to manifest a good checklist uh, so uh, that'll be that um, all right well thank you all for joining me here for this discussion i have a few comments before we close out and then we can go ahead and wrap up first and foremost we host quarterly live book discussions and those are just like the ones we just discussed. You're invited. You simply head over to productivitybookgroup.org. On the upcoming books page, you'll find all the details. Uh, it has all the dates for the year. It has a handy Google Calendar that you can subscribe to. And that Google Calendar uh, will give you a link. If, you're, if you don't use Google Calendar, you can subscribe from any of your preferred Apple Outlook or otherwise calendars. You just grab the, the web URL link. You can go ahead and subscribe to it in whatever calendar software you use, and those will put the events automatically into your calendar for future reference. Uh, also on productivitybookgroup.org, you'll find all of our past book discussions. We've done summary review episodes. We have some author interviews up on, under episodes. So just click on the episodes tab and you'll see all of those there. Sometimes they don't show up in the productivity book group podcast uh, directory listings because you know some listings only hold X number of podcast episodes, uh, So, but you'll, you'll find all of the episodes there on the website at productivitybookgroup.org. If you want to subscribe to Productivity Book Group as a podcast, you can go ahead and do that in your favorite podcast app, and of course, directions are there on the website. Uh, finally, we have a digital community that we run for personal productivity, uh, called Personal Productivity Club, where we run a productivity book group group. Uh, for books that we're reading and discussing. So if you'd like to go ahead and uh, join us, you can access it on the web. You can also install iOS or Android apps uh, in order to join as well. Uh, but if you go to productivitybookgroup.org forward slash community, you'll be taken to the landing page to go ahead and sign up and join the community. And that will automatically invite you into the Productivity Book Group. Uh, channel group, whatever it's called, uh, so that you can go ahead and you know discuss any productivity books that you might be reading, or of course the books that we're discussing on each quarter. So hope to see you there. And with that, thanks everyone uh, for listening and discussing here on Productivity Book Group. I'm Ray Cindy Smith, and here's True Productive Life.